Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast, so we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Checking elsewhere around North Dakota, warmer weather, make that hot weather, is also heating up fishing activity, both in in terms of angler numbers and success. Take Devil's Lake, for example. Its chain lakes remain fair to good for walleye, along with generally nice success throughout much of the Devil's Lake itself, including East Bay or west along the Minnewakan Flats in areas like Howard's Bay. Water temperatures are definitely warming quickly, so look for a switch to summer fishing patterns soon. For now, though, it's still a spring mode in shallow water with generally good success, especially in those northern feeder bays like Pelican Lake. Activity is also heating up on Jamestown Reservoir, and Lake Ashtabula is producing bass, along with a little bit of a lingering pike bite. Out west, the Missouri River tail race is gradually improving for walleye from boats. While anglers still aren't getting big numbers of fish, what they are seeing and catching are nice fish. Try the shoots at night. Hopping over Garrison Dam, the east end of Lake Sakakawea is improving for walleye activity, with some nice fish showing up. Try a variety of presentations throughout a variety of depths with overall fair to good walleye success, including Stanky and Centennial Bays in 5 to 10 feet. Try slow death hooks and bottom bouncers or jigs and minnows. The van hook arm definitely turned on for walleye activity along with success. While there aren't as many reports from Lake Audubon, well, anglers are generally focusing more on Lake Skakwea, try leeches or night crawlers with slow death hooks for walleye. In other words, it's time to go fish. Just bring insect repellent and sunscreen. And uh, we're going to head out to Bismarck right now and chat with North Dakota Game and Fish Fisheries Chief Greg Powers. It's been a year or two since we've had you on. Greg, welcome back. Glad to be on. So. This segment that's going to be a first for Gone Outdoors, uh, we're going to talk about something we've never talked about before, and that is the paddlefish snagging season. Um, we'd kind of like to get a little recap of the season because the season is now over. Um, what is the goal? What is the Game and Fish goal of the paddlefish season every year? Why do you have a paddlefish well, season? Right. Yeah, well, maybe first, maybe I'll go back take a step back. It, the paddle fishery is really unique. Anybody that knows anything about paddle fish, they're really a pretty, they're my favorite uh, fish species in North Dakota. Uh, and in, in North Dakota and Montana, we got a really unique fishery. It's probably one of the healthier ones left in North America. And, uh, and the reason being is they paddle fish will move out of Sakakwea. They spend a better part of their life in Sakakwea. 
Then they move upstream during the spawning run up towards the, oh, the Montana border, both the Missouri and Yellowstone rivers, and and spawn. Now, the females will spawn about once every three years, males once every one to two years. And they don't even reach sexual maturity, much like uh, human beings till the males might be all 12 years old and the females 15. So it's really a unique, kind of a, a crazy critter, you know, uh, They've spent a lot of years in North Dakota. In fact, we've aged males to 40 and females up to 50. Wow. Age. So, That's and it. because it's uh, it, the reproduction, and there's also a sport fishery or snaking fishery in Montana on the Yellowstone. Well, actually, on the Missouri and Yellowstone, it's kind of a joint fishery between the two states. Mm-hmm. And, and saying that, we do a lot of research together, but probably most importantly is that both states have a 1,000 fish harvest cap per year. So North Dakota, we can take up to 1,000 fish, and Montana likewise, up to 1,000 fish. So we manage it for about a 2,000 fish harvest annually, and we've been able to sustain that fishery now for you know decades. That is awesome. Greg, one of the, the questions that has come into my mind often is I've heard friends and other people talk about this uh, this snagging season is, the fact that you have like catch and keep days and catch and release days, how how does that fit into the management philosophy and and strategy? Well, I, you know, our modern management started probably around 1990, and prior to that, it was a wild wild west, and it really needed to it needed some you know serious enforcement management. And over the years since 1990, we've kind of done a lot of live and learn trials and tribulations to get our regulations to where they are today, which work pretty, they become pretty effective. Uh, so yes, we have uh, three days in the course of a week. We'll have three days are designated to snag and release only. And you can, as long as you have an unused tag, you can have at it. You can snag all day or uh, theoretically snag a number of fish. And then there are four days that are set aside for harvest only. And once you harvest a fish, you're done. Uh, your tag is, there's no more snag and release or anything. So we have four days of harvest, three days of, of release in the course of a week. And with that thousand fish cap, as we approach it, uh, most, but not all the fish, but the majority for sure, of the fish that are harvested go through a cleaning service up there. And they take the caviar, they take the eggs. It's called North Star Caviar. Uh, so all the don't, the eggs are donated free of charge, but everybody gets a free cleaning service, which is really a big deal when it comes to paddlefish because that's a can be a bit of a challenge. So it's a good deal. The, the snaggers get the fish snagged or cleaned for free. The caviar people get the eggs and they process caviar. Some of that money comes back to the game and fish that we just put right back into research. So it's kind of a win-win-win situation there. So, Greg, a lot of anglers are fixated on large fish. You know, they you know they want large fish, and I gotta believe the paddlefish. And correct me if I'm wrong, is the largest fish that swims in North Dakota waters. You are correct. Yes, the paddlefish, and it the second largest uh, species is a is another very ancient fish, and that's the pellet sturgeon. That's the only endangered, federally endangered fish species in North Coast, the pellet sturgeon, those two are 
they've been around for literally eons. And uh, uh, but yeah, the paddlefish is the largest fish. The state record's 131 pounds. Wow! And uh, it seems like about every year they'll snag some fish in that oh 120 pound range. Wow, that's crazy. So a couple times you've mentioned the tags. A uh, couple questions for you. How did they get a tag? Is it over the counter? Do we got to apply for it? Is it for residents only? Uh, can non-residents come and do it? What's the deets there? No, it's uh, for for oh, 20, 30 years. It was uh, you just pick a pick them up at uh, uh, bait vendors and stuff in the Williston area, Watford City area, and Dickinson area, as well as Bismarck. Uh, about two years ago, we went away from that. Where now you do need to apply. I mean, it's everybody. There's no there's no uh, cap on the, the number of tags. We typically sell somewhere around thirty five to four thousand, thirty five hundred to four thousand. Uh, but you do need to get them online. Uh, so, and the and the only drawback of that is it takes a few days to mail the tags to get them. You know via. Uh, U.S. Postal Service, so you you can't go at the spur of the moment and think that you're going to get a tag just like that. It takes a little more planning. The first year we did that, there were some growing pains. There were some issues. seems like over the last couple of years, it's gotten a lot better. No, so everybody needs needs to have a tag, and there's it's not limited to residents, non-residents. The non-resident tag costs a little bit more money, but everybody can have one, and we do have a we do, especially from Wyoming, uh, we have a pretty good group of people that tend to, have, for whatever reason, it's a family vacation, but we get a lot of non-residents from Wyoming that participate. Hmm. All right, Greg, we only got about a minute left, and you had mentioned, obviously, North Dakota has a paddlefish season, and Montana, because you guys work together. Are there other states that you know of in the upper Midwest or other states that have paddlefish seasons? Yes, yes. Uh, as well, South Dakota does, uh, at least right below Yankton Dam, or uh, below Gavin's Point Dam in the lower part of the lowest dam, they have a fall season there. Uh, <clears throat> the Tennessee, Kentucky have a season, and I do know there's a pretty good season that goes on in Oklahoma. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a, there are some other ones that, from what the biologists tell me, uh, we still, North Dakota... And Montana, we still have a lot of reproduction, and that's one thing that's missing a lot of these fisheries over time. We, Yellowstone River is the key, and we have good spawning habitat, and we have an excellent rearing habitat in Lake Sakakwea. So that combination has really been the lifeblood of that fishery. And good news is we're still seeing recruitment, and we hope you know it'll be around for decades to come. Yes. Um, so if you're interested in this, you have a lot of time before next season, the season, uh, <laughs> this year was on May 1st. Um, so we, you got a bunch of time, do some research, get it figured out. Um, if it's something that you want to do, if this is a bucket list item for you, get it on your list for next year and go out and do that. Thanks very much, Greg, for coming on Gone Outdoors. We really appreciate it. Uh, great to be on. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale. And she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then, and not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra 
from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Well, it is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.